Hi, and welcome to Newsreel with Joe and Neil. I'm Joe. I'm Neil, and this week we're going to be following up on our discussion last week of the crazy incident in Turkey involving Saudi distant journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Um, crikey. I mean, it was so brazen and just gruesome, the details, like, we, we were thinking, like, no no self-respecting leader would be even one step, even four steps removed from that kind of thing. It would never happen. Or at least we left it open that surely this could have been something done, staged, or done, not staged, I mean, actually took place, but done with a view to blackening MBS, the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia. But, I mean, since then, they've all but admitted um, Saudi government that yeah we did um, we've seen them squirm and try to talk their way out of it and give different uh, explanations for what happened or didn't happen and threaten and threaten make big threats directly to Trump and by implication to anyone else who, who seriously wants to um, punish sanction or otherwise bring justice to this this crime, um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's what it appears to be, and uh, it's it's like the curtains pulled back, you know, really, really wide, just for a moment in uh, world history, and um, yeah, that's that's what governments do. That's certainly what the Saudi Arabian government does. It's certainly what the current, the real king, I suppose, of Saudi Arabia, the Crown Prince, is capable of doing. And this is the same guy, of course, who's, you know, been going around and sp- spreading his money to improve Saudi Arabia's image by making some token gestures to clean up Saudi Arabia's image. Not, and, of course, by, by implication, his own as well. We have to, you have to wonder about a country that, that gets all the plaudits and makes a big deal about uh, allowing women to drive cars, like, in the, in the year 2018. Right. You have to wonder how that's something that is like, oh, isn't it fantastic? He's progressive. <laughs> it's like, well, what reality? Do we, I mean, what world do we live in? Like, where that is something that you get a, a pat in the back for, you know? But of course, well, um, what else did he? The other one I heard was that people were allowed to finally go to cinemas. Hmm. I couldn't. I had to go. What, what do you mean allowed to go to cinemas? For four decades, there have been no public. Well, public screenings of private, you know, movies, wherever it may be from, Hollywood mostly, I suppose, they've been banned officially to normal Saudi population. Now, of course, every Saudi princeling has a cinema in his own house, so he's watching whatever he wants. But the Saudi population of some 30 million people, they don't, well, until recently when they were finally allowed to, it's been four decades. Mm Mm-hmm. But they don't get any. But you have to respect. To. You have to respect their culture, Neil. Cultural oh, diversity. Oh, sure, but that's a bit harsh. It's very extreme, no. I don't know. I mean, that is so far beyond. I mean, what was thrown at the USSR was that it was isolationist and it was, you know, cutting itself off from the rest of the world. But I mean, I'm pretty sure Western movies were shown right throughout. Certainly after Stalin died. Yeah. And all this time, there's been this country, key friend and ally. As we've been reminded nonstop this week, 
um, of the West that uh, is just so extremely totalitarian, uh, backwards. It's it's everything that so many countries get accused of being. It's all concentrated in in every respect in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, yet they're the golden boys yes. for the West. Yeah, uh, how you can how anybody can. I mean, I know it's been said many times before, and anybody with any sense has seen it and just goes, well, what can you do about it? But how anybody can uh, take Western leaders uh, seriously when they talk about, you know, their 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 values and all that kind of stuff. If you have values, then you stand up for those values, right, uh, in, in, in all possible cases. But um, obviously they haven't been standing up for them uh, in Saudi Arabia where... Um, you know they're pretty much like a, 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 you know they're back in I don't know you know Middle Ages maybe I don't know it's probably as bad as the Middle Ages or worse you know feudal times whatever where there was all sorts of oppression going on that and that's who they support so how can you take any Western leader seriously when they talk about their values when they do you know they're very very close when their best friend let's say imagine you heard someone saying. I stand for all the wonderful noble values, and then you see that their best friend is the serial killer. Would you believe them? Of course not. Of course, there's reasons for it, and those reasons are very well known why they have these double standards with Saudi Arabia. <clears throat> and the double standards with Saudi Arabia have been talked about before, I think, several years ago. Um, Rand Paul, I think, was talking to Wolf Blitzer on CNN about the war in Yemen years ago about uh, the Saudis and bombing Yemen and killing people in Yemen and uh, Ron Paul was condemning it, condemning the Saudis for killing people in Yemen and Wolf Blitzer chimed in and said, yeah but you know there's a lot of jobs associated with mm. uh, with that war, basically. a lot of American jobs are dependent on that war so what do you do in a situation where you want to have all these noble values in the world but uh, i.e. like I've, I've not even a noble value, just a fairly basic value of don't kill innocent people. But your job depends upon you killing innocent people. What are you going to do? That's Wolf Blitzer, one of the leaders of hashtag the resistance right. against Donald Trump, who, yeah. when he makes the same statement last week, <gasps> the shock and indignation on MSNBC and CNN and New York Times. How can he say that? Well, what about a more... But they know it. They, they're not harping on it too loudly. They're harping on it a bit, but not too loudly because, yeah, Wolf Blitzer said it. Everyone knows it. Yeah. So it's, it's hypocrisy we don't like and the fact that people don't, uh, you know, it's not officially recognized more often. I mean, Trump did actually recognize it. I mean, he said more or less the same thing as Wolf Blitzer said. Uh, just uh, Trump said it just this, this week in, in relation to the Khashoggi, uh, the killing of Khashoggi and, um, and Saudi Arabia. He said, you know, that he's not going to back out of that that deal or the money that uh, uh, is promised to America from uh, sales of weapons, sales of American weapons to Saudi Arabia, because there's a lot of jobs depending on it. Indeed, Trump said that explicitly. So there you go. What are you going to do? Tough shit. That's the world you live in. Get real, you know. Um, and of course, this has been going on with this relationship with Saudi Arabia has been going on for decades, you know. And it's, and it's very much tied up. It's not just that. I mean. It's not just that there's a few jobs or a, a large number of jobs, let's say, associated with arms sales to Saudi Arabia, American jobs, that are dependent on arms sales to Saudi Arabia. This is a relationship, an interdependent 
or a very dependent relationship uh, that goes back uh, 40 years with Saudi Arabia. And for all those years, Saudi Arabia has been an atavistic kind of Stone Age kind of, uh, in, from a moral point of view, a Stone Age society, you know, one of the most corrupt and disgusting uh, boils that has ever appeared on the surface of the earth. And this is clarify what makes it disgusting is not so much that it cho chooses to live like that, but that it's a formally like that. And the rank and file, normal Saudis must live like that. But the elites who enforce that absolutely do not live by those standards. Well, no, of, well, no. They, we well, they we know they go abroad yeah. and, and they party like, you know. It's, yeah, they're not religious at all. No. And, and they're, not, they're not strict Muslims like they love their, a lot of them are, are you know, homosexual, like, well, they'll, I'm not sure if homosexuality is, I think it is still outlawed in Saudi Arabia. Probably. Um, and people are put in prison for being homosexual while, while a lot of the, the royal family, and Saudi Arabia is basically made up of thousands of members of an inbred uh, bunch of pseudo-royals who all just married each other, so a lot of inbreeding going on there, and they've produced over, over many years, over decades, they've produced thousands and thousands of uh, members of the royal family, cousins, second cousins, third cousins, fourth cousins, their wives, their children, all that kind of stuff. And that's who ruled Saudi Arabia, basically. And obviously there's a hierarchy within that with uh, the, the, the big uh, smiling uh, MBS, more or less at the top of it now, but um, they're the ones who run Saudi Arabia and have done for since it was created back in the early 20th century. Uh, with the connivance of the West for very specific reasons for oil back then and it's oil today. A hundred years later it's oil it's oil is the motivating factor as well. And the way that the US has um invested and the US is based on basically its economy is very much dependent on, on the global oil supply and the way the global oil supply works. I specifically the petrodollar, the way that all the vast majority of oil in the world is traded in dollars, which uh gives America massive advantages obviously. <laughs> Uh, compared to the rest of the world, that's why America, largely why Mar America is the greatest country in the world, uh, quote unquote, uh, because they have had a free ride for, you know, certainly in the last the last forty years, they've had a free ride uh, as a result of all of the oil trade in the world being denominated in dollars, and that's why they protected Saudi Arabia because they can't do anything but protect Saudi Arabia because if Saudi Arabia goes, it, if the system. That, that system that is in, in place uh, with that relationship between the US and Saudi Arabia, if, that, if something happens to that, if it, if it falls apart, then America falls apart as well. Yeah. Basically, America will, will, will experience, well, severe, a severe economic crisis and it will no longer be a world, a world power. So that's why you have, like, if you look at the slideshow we have up today, the, one of the pictures on there is a, is a magazine uh, it was produced, it was released by an American press, American printing organization that has some kind of ties to Trump, but well, it has ties to all politicians, basically a big uh, media uh, conglomerate in the US that present, printed a, a magazine with MBS on the front of it, um, The New Kingdom it's called, so it's a glossy Saudi magazine basically. Got him on the front, Saudi Vision 2030, you know, blurbs are our closest Middle East ally destroying terrorism. <laughs> Mm. Controlling staggering four trillion business empire, improving lives of his people and hopes for peace. Not Khashoggi, obviously chopped him up, 
but uh, and not the ones that they crucify. They actually, crucify people. That's one an example you can say about Saudi Arabia is that one way that they uh, put people to death is they crucify them. Apart from chopping off body parts and stuff, they also crucify public beheadings. Public beheadings. Yeah, well, that's public yeah. hangings. Yeah, I mean, public hangings, you could say, isn't, I mean, the last person hanged in the UK, I think, was in the 70s. 1961, 62 or something like that. So hanging, you know, you can, okay, you can quibble about that, but, you know, chopping people's hands off and stuff or yeah. stealing things and, uh, and and public beheadings, you know, where a crowd gathers around and that kind of stuff, it's not really civilised, you know. I mean, if you have pretensions to be civilised, it's not civilised. I mean, if you, if you want to think that the world is, and we in the West are much you know, further along from that, from a moral point of view, in the way that we look at the world and the things that we will and won't accept. If you think that we're light years ahead of like those barbaric practices from yesteryear, from time, you know, from from previous ages, um, well, we're not. If we support people who still do it, mm-hmm. because when you support people who still do it, even me, obviously, you know, there's no beheadings in the U.S. or whatever, um, or in Western countries. In the U.S., they still electrocute people to death. <laughs> which isn't that far, uh, isn't that much better. But, you know, so uh, people just don't have a very realistic understanding of, of where human society is at, basically. They don't, you know, they're, they're full of all sorts of fantasies and, and dreams and ideas about where we're actually at when where we really are at is in front of them every day. And there's just cognitive dissonance goes on. I think it drives people a bit nuts, you know. And if they just accept the fact that, yeah, the world's a bit of a shit show, Everybody lies, particularly your political leaders. They're all lying to you. It's all nonsense. It's all for your distraction. And, um, you know, more or less just, you know, watch it, yeah, with disgust to the extent that you're able. But, you know, if you want the world to be different, like to quote Gandhi, I suppose, I think Gandhi said something along these lines, uh, you know, be the be the change you want to be in the world. Uh, be the change you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. I, But not that you would try and change the world necessarily, but, you know, if you want to be evolved and advanced and holier than now and very moral and all that kind of stuff and hold to very, uh, you know, lofty ideals, then go ahead and do it yourself. Act it rather and than talk about it. Yeah, well, but don't expect the world to do it as well. Get off the street. What are you, are, are act, being activists for, like, you know, demanding change, you know? You, you want the world to change instead of changing yourself? That's what, that's what these activists do, the ones who are out screaming and shouting about all of society's ills. They want society to change for them so that they don't have to. And it doesn't, that doesn't happen because you're ruled by a bunch of nut job psychos like people like MBS and people in the West who are his friends who condone and turn a blind eye to chopping some guy up while he's still alive because you don't like what he says, because he's seen as a threat to you, uh, as Khashoggi. So, you know, that's what happens. That's where we're at. We're, things haven't changed. Jump back to any time you want in the past. Pick the worst time you want you can read about in, in human civilization when barbarity ruled supreme. That's where we're at. There's no difference. Get over yourselves. Yeah. And instead, it's all the entire litany of crimes and um, factors that make up a backward society are instead projected on Russia. Right. I mean, this this year, this is, it's a classic that these two things happen in the same year and that they can be juxtaposed right there in your face. You've got the issue of the scripals and the poisoning blamed on Russia very tepid evidence linking it to Russia. Um, the guy, the guy survives, of course, Sergei Skripal and his daughter um, disappeared. Now no one knows where they are. Um, and then you've got this thing that comes up where it's like, 
pretty clear and and getting increasingly clear by the day that it's um it's as bad as Turk the Turks were leaking to the media in the first few days after it earlier mm-hmm. this month, um, and that they have evidence, which is why this isn't easily dismissed, um, and why people are panicking, um, the the, the world over. I mean, tr- Trump is uh. Trump is Trump is scrambling to cover for this, but others less so. I mean, every every leader in Europe that I'm familiar with making it, maybe the Brits are also quiet. You know, well, pending the investigation, we, we, we'll make our statement, kind of thing. But the others are calling for investigation. You know, mm. of course, it's, it's all righteous posturing as well. But at least they're doing that. You know. Mm. Um, you you mentioned the basic re, the basic relationship that's historical for the U.S.'s um, apologies and covering for this kind of thing. Um, there are also more immediate uh, payouts, like immediate reasons for why the U.S. can't just ditch Saudi Arabia right at this time. First up, in three weeks, the, the anti-Iran sanctions kick in. And everyone, it doesn't take a genius to figure out. Everyone's talking about it. They need the Saudis on board with a, making up for whatever um, oil supplies well, then, take a hit. Well, then big, an embargo, supposedly. Total embargo on Iranian oil. Right. Take several million dollars, it's, several million barrels. It's of, roughly 3% of global supply. Yeah, a few million barrels a day, whatever out of uh, oil supply. Uh, in the world, and, and they need the Saudis to to keep that because that would is enough to kind of make the markets uh, jittery and create a bit of a crisis, you know. Um, it's certainly the Saudis to increase their production, and so the Saudis have that over America, you know. And also, it's obviously tied to you know, the price of oil is very much tied to major to America's economy and to other you know uh, major oil consumers like America, um, and also America's a big oil producer as well. So. Um, yeah, it's all it's all business and, and keeping in Syria. Another one is that um, we remember that Trump said we wanted whatever number of U.S. troops, official troops and mercenaries are that are in eastern Syria. He wanted to take them out, and Saudi Arabia convinced him. Convinced, I don't know if that's ex- exactly how it took place, but they convinced him to keep them there. Um. And just just actually two days ago, there was another U.S. airstrike. Some sixty plus people were killed near Deir Ezzor, mostly civilians. Um, the, the only reason the U.S. is still there is because Trump has managed to get Saudi Arabia to pledge money and commitment to a Syria stabilization fund. So, yeah, it's it, that's another. I mean, it's, that's what I mean by immediate consequences. It's like this couldn't. Have, come at a worse time for the United States mm-hmm. in what it wants to do in the Middle East. And of course, because the Saudi Arabia is all over the news, now it's, you know, finally being talked about widely in the press that, hello, Saudi Arabia has been bombing Yemen for the last three, mm-hmm. almost four years now. Um, and the U.S.'s role in that, and, and at mm-hmm. least... At least on paper, at least, you know, in Congress, you know, the serious people are saying we might want to reconsider our support for this, the proxy war in Yemen. It's at least getting on the record. Now, well, I mean, there's a, there's a story uh, 
perfect story that summed it up. Uh, this was money that was promised. But when Mike Pompeo, Secretary of State, uh, arrived in Riyadh to, to have discussions about, you know, what happened to Khashoggi with uh, with MBS um, on the same day, uh, the, the American, uh, the the Saudi sent a hundred million dollars uh, to the U.S. landed in American government bank accounts basically 100 million dollars on the day that he's there to kind of like figure out i'm going to really hold his feet to the fire on this one here's 100 million dollars of course 100 million dollars was explicit was supposedly for who knows what it's for but officially it was for um uh that the saudis had promised the trump promised trump uh to aid in american efforts to stabilize areas in syria uh that Liberated from the Islamic State, i.e., areas that Americans were holding in Syria, America, Americans occupying uh, certain parts of Syria. So the Saudis are throwing hundred million dollars at America to to fund that. There you go. Yeah. So it's like, all right, I'm gonna really pin you to the wall on this one. Well, if I give you a hundred million dollars, maybe you'd like pin me a bit less. Maybe. It's just business. Disgusting. Like it's stupid. The whole thing's ridiculous. You know. It's hard to make. It's hard to take any of it seriously, and see. You know, it's hard to see it other in any other way, other than just pure, uh, unfettered corruption and money and greed. That's what's behind all of it. You know, Trump himself is caught up in it too, because since the eighties, he's been <laughs> he's been lauding the Saudis because of their investment in his companies and property in New York. Um, and it's still, it's very recent too, just up to three years ago. Um, no, not three years ago. It's older than that. But in the early 2000s, the Saudi government paid something like 12 million for the 45th floor of Trump Tower near the UN. Um, there was at least one of the major sale for four and a half million dollars to a Trump company. That supposedly saved it. It was going under. It was just about every politician exactly. in America. It's not unique. Obama, Clinton. Look, talk about Clinton. Clinton and the Clinton Foundation. Hundreds of millions of dollars from the Saudis over the course of, of their... And that's money that's going more or less to the Clintons. Like, So, I mean, it's a whole lot of them. You know, Trump's probably the least... Uh, in that respect, he's, uh, he's not probably in the top ten of people who are beholden to Saudi Arabian money. Yeah, um, I mean that in that uh, article, uh, front page article, they made reference to a four trillion dollar business empire run by the Saudis. Four trillion dollars. Um, Saudi Arabia. I have a couple of figures. Uh, I, I don't know how it ties in with the four trillion. If four trillion might be the total worth yeah, of their of investments, their, uh, right? Um, there's an article in the Guardian. Uh, reflecting in in hindsight given what's just happened about mbs's tour of europe mainland europe then the uk and then the united states it was earlier this year uh you you probably remember it because he was meeting everyone from tim cook of apple uh yeah. mark zuckerberg sergey brin of google um and you had this obviously it's jarring right these are all the the lefties, right? The resistance against Trump, some of them anyway. Um, the red carpets rolled out for Mohammed bin Salman quasi-plausibly because he's on a massive charm offensive and the press is talking about how he's liberalizing his, his country and so on. The Guardian did this article 
now in hindsight, looking at all of the things one would do, um, it's a hypothetical. So they write, landing in London, MBS might have dispensed with a chauffeur-driven car, traveling into the capital by Uber, while his age finalizes itinerary on smartphones powered with chips designed by Cambridge-based ARM Holdings. After glad-handing bank chiefs in the city, London, any investment plans they discussed could have been further developed using cloud office app Slack, whatever that is. On the U.S. leg of his journey, perhaps slumming it in the Ancor Hotel, Hotel, MBS and his entourage might have dialed up a plate of the Saudi national rice dish Kabsa from delivery service DoorDash. Later, they could have relaxed by playing computer games partly designed by simulation technology firm Improbable. It goes on. It's name-dropping all of these startups or some of them established like Uber that the Saudis have put a lot of money into. And the value that they give of these startups, specifically through a public investment fund for the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, is $250 to date. But the reason he went on this big charm offensive earlier in the year is because he was coming and telling people he had another $2 trillion to sink into U.S. firms. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, that if he's meeting Sergey Brin, that includes Google and f- Facebook and who knows what else. There's, there's, so much, there's so much that's officially listed. There's so much that's potentially and officially you know, discussed as being listed. And then God knows what is unofficial through anonymous funds via London or New York and Wall Street. You, you you can sort of you have to you use the facts of the numbers of, of companies and funds that are actually declared and then you have to use your imagination to extend that out further and to get a sense of how structurally intertwined Saudi oil money the petrodollar is with the West in particular of course the United Kingdom and the United States mm-hmm. it is it's like you can't pull the dagger out because someone will bleed to death. So they're both, they both have a dagger in each other. And they, 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 it's like, no, no one goes because then that's curtains. Mm-hmm. That's it, why you're going to hear all this talk about sanctions. It'll go to the hilt, you know, how about here moral is and sanctions and proper investigation. And it'll just go away or it'll quieten right down. Uh, the, the Saudis have a, a latest version that. They'll work something out. I think they'll work something out with Turkey. Um, well, Turkey's already Turkey holds the cards them. here. But what's going on there? Because the Turks clearly knew from the outset. So they were listening in mm-hmm. and they have evidence. Mm-hmm. And the Saudis know it, which is why they're playing ball. They can't just deny it. They did deny it for two weeks, but that didn't work. It said nothing for two weeks, yeah. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Turks are. Uh, the Turks don't have a. The Turks are playing a regional game, obviously, as well. Um, they're not necessarily... They're, the Turks are per, perpetually these days undecided as to what... Um, are flip-flopping into... are uh, uh, trying to play both sides against the middle in a certain sense. So, um, And they're maybe eyeing the future. Obviously, Turkey and Russia have close relationship now and stuff. So they're trying to eye the future and to see what would happen. But there's not really a lot of love loss between Saudi Arabia and Turkey. Although they're not enemies by any stretch of the imagination, but um, I think the Turks just took it as a, uh, from the point of view of well, listen, 
you know, we're not that close friends and you just killed some guy on our territory. Technically, okay, it's your territory. It's a Saudi embassy, but it's in, it's in uh, Istanbul. So, um, and it's pretty egregious. And so we're not going to cover this up, obviously, you know what I mean? So, uh, and then they came out with the details of, of what they say. They have evidence that of, of how Khashoggi was killed and, and who, who did it. It was, you know, they released video evidence and all that kind of stuff, you know. So, um, that kind of stuff would, would probably have to come out eventually anyway, you know. And the Turks wouldn't want to seem to be complicit in it in any way. So they're just going to out the out the Saudis on it, but the Saudis don't give a damn, obviously, for the reasons you just explained. They don't care. It doesn't matter. Yeah. They can do what they want. And to hell with world opinion. People these days, the people, I mean, who's this, who's, who's the backlash going to come from? The ordinary people who are outraged that, you know, Khashoggi would, you know, uh, be killed in this way, that uh, uh, a so-called reformer would be killed in this way, and people are outraged. And what, the, this MBS and his clan and Anybody in Western countries care what the people think mm. at this point? Well, momenta- right. momentarily. Have, have your whines, whatever, cry and shout and complain yeah. and then just shut the hell up. But momentarily it has everyone from Ted Cruz on the right. Yeah, virtue signaling. To, you name it, actors, mm. uh, Hollywood actors on the left, liberal left, yeah. um, doing, saying the same things. Doing a bit of virtue signaling, yeah. Yeah. Like they care. It won't last. It'll be. It'll soon be back to my um, tribe against I mean, your tribe. It's not. It's not. It's only the fact that that the powers that be don't care. Obviously, because you know they see this as just well. That's the way the world works. You know, and politicians see you know plenty of politi- plenty of uh, a lot of politicians in, in Western countries are well aware that they're go- they themselves periodically kill people. Mm-hmm. You know, extrajudicially yeah. uh, murder people they don't like. So it's just part of the, you know, and the little people there who get upset about it. Yeah, whatever, let them be upset, of course. But they just don't know how the world works, you know. Uh, and even then, I would, I would jump in and say, you know what, you know, most people don't care either <clears throat> about about Khashoggi. Like people don't care about him either. So you know, what are you shouting about? Well, oh, the, it's terrible. The, yeah. yeah. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, somebody gets chopped up while they're alive or whatever. Well, what happened? I'll take a slightly different view on that. I think they're shouting because they do care, but that what they care about is not a man's death. What they care about is their beliefs, the mythos. The mythos takes another hit year on year. They're piling up now quite fast. The yeah. mythos of the West is the best. The West is morally superior. Yeah, it takes a hit, and that hurts. And <clears> somebody's <throat> got to pay for that. Somebody's got to make it right again. That was the message of Trump's campaign, make, make America great again, reinvigorate the mythos. Mm-hmm. America strong. You know, a large part of it wasn't, I mean, militarily, yeah, America's, with the exception of Russia, pretty much undisputed physical champion. No one disputes that. Mm-hmm. But, but morally, they were starting to feel it, starting to doubt, what about our mission? Mm-hmm. I'm hearing all these things coming through the news and I'm not liking it. Well, somebody please, re, you know, reinflate the mythos. Yeah. Um, but as time goes on, there's these things that come out. It's like, you can just imagine, I mean, you can imagine like a lot of people, not just in the States, but in Paul's of Power everywhere going, oh my God, I can't believe they got caught doing that. Not, oh my God, I can't believe they did that. Mm-hmm. And they got caught doing that. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't do it in your embassy or whatever. Don't do it in public, basically. It was more or less public, you know. 
given the way yeah. that they did it, it was always going to be <clears throat> it was going to it was going to come out like yeah <clears throat> i mean that's that's what i don't understand is how they didn't just decide to kind of like you know kidnap him i mean they had a van in there that drove into the basement why did they put him in the van and take him away somewhere take him back to Saudi take him arabia? back on that plane that was waiting take, on the tarmac right, take him back in the plane take him back to Saudi arabia accuse him of something then you know that's... you have all the scope to interrogate him and torture him whatever you want and then you can kind of like crucify him or something because that's what they do in Saudi arabia and people say oh that's very bad blah blah, blah. It'd be yeah. a big hoot but maybe, so i don't know the people are just nuts they just lost the plot like yeah and it's a step yeah it reminds me of rendition after 9-11 and yeah everyone was shocked and horrified but that too was absorbed into reality as well it's kind of like dick cheney said sometimes you got to do dirty to win to win um it's like the, a system has been set up and it was used i mean even gaddafi was having dissidents rendered renditioned from libya to godwin's where black site in poland or Pakistan or wherever, mm -hmm. to basically avail of the services provided by this new, effectively, institution set up by the United States precisely for people like Saudi dictators to, to take advantage of it. But here they're like, Meh, well, we'll just do it ourselves in the freaking embassy. Because mm -hmm. the, it's, it's the arrogance, it's, I suppose... Uh, it's his understanding of his unassailable position, of, yeah. of Saudi Arabia's unassailable position in, in the world order, basically. And that's what when he came out with those lists of threats, whenever Trump said that uh, he would impose, you know, there'd be harsh penalties or he'd they'd be severely punished uh, for if, if Khashoggi was, was, if they were responsible for Khashoggi's death, they came back with all this long list of yeah. things that they would do to basically destro destroy the world order. We will have a Russian base <laughs> in... In northern, uh, he said, "How do you want?" He said, "Yeah." Saturday he said, "How do you, you can? Do you want uh, oil at four hundred four hundred dollars yeah. a barrel? Uh, how do you? How would you like oil being denominated in something other than the dollar?" I mean, right there, that's all he had to say, basically. And then it's like, "Oops, America shuts up and uh, changes its tune." So yeah, I mean, Saudi Arabia at this point totally controlled the USA, but they like it that way. It's in, it's, it's a way that it's not that they're being they're being you know, manipulated in that situation. They're, they're very willing participants because America ha gets an awful lot out of it as well, you know. Yeah. America really, you know, has, has has been able to reign supreme for the last, much of the last century <clears throat> because of its uh, relationship with Middle Eastern oil and the way, the relationship that they've, that they've <clears throat> kind of uh, crafted, particularly with Saudi Arabia and its other Gulfy, Gulfy allies, you know. I mean, there's a good description of <clears throat> and just a paragraph of of the the petrodollar. Basically, it's uh, this system of the U.S. dollar acting as global reserve currency in oil trade keeps the demand for dollar artificially high, and this enables the U.S. to carry out printing dollars, carry on printing dollars at a price of next to nothing that funds increased military spending and consumer spending on imports. There's no theoretical limit to the amount of dollars that can be. Pr printed as long as the u.s has no serious challengers and other states have confidence in the u.s dollar the system functions so and Saudi Arabia as long as other states have no alternatives basically i hear you confidence in the u.s dollar that's the kind of mantra they repeat but what is phys physically the manifestation of well, confidence is, confidence in the u.s dollar in that in that situation means confidence in, in america yeah uh, uh, as a military power to to shape the world okay. militarily the way it wants to ensure that the the, the petrodollar regime the petrodollar system uh, continues in place so 
i.e. and that's the reference to serious challengers. So as long as there's no serious military challengers who could push America aside, then everything everything is fine. And that's that's the reason you see this hysteria against Russia. It's an existential fight by Americans who see uh, they see Russia as an existential threat to 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 American hegemony, to America's position, top dog position in the world. And that is based very very closely on or is very closely related to the dollar as the reserve currency, the, the you know the, the petrodollar, and uh, and the whole situation in the Middle East and Russia's incursion in the Middle East. It's like no, it's a no-brainer. Like you know, there's nobody. How can I? Oh, Jesus Christ! I mean, 2015, Russia enters into the Syrian conflict, mm-hmm. and the American elite collectively shit their pants. Why? Oil. Done. There you go. That's the answer. And then as a result, since then, since 2015, mostly, you have anti-Russia hysteria. You have Russia being accused of all these different things. How do people not make that connection? What, what kind of an idiot do you have to be to actually believe anything those people say about Russia mm-hmm. when it has very, very clear geopolitical reasons? That this is a propaganda war because they hate Russia, because Russia is a near peer competitor that entered into the Middle East and, you know, threatens at least potentially to upset that whole system of American hegemony that is based on oil in the Middle East. So Russia does that, enters into the game, threatens America, and then you have three years of Russia ate my homework, Russia made, made my wife sleep with another man, Russia made my dog shit on the carpet. And people fucking believe it? Believe that those allegations, like you know, Russia hacked our election. Fuck you, talk. I mean, really? Yeah, it's actually Russia is going to hack our upcoming elections. Give me a break, idiots! I'm when just, that's coming out, I thought, Jesus, you can't be serious. <sighs> People just really just lobotomize yourselves. Anybody who believes that's just just you know, I don't know. Take your brain out and kick it down the road. You do not need it, obviously, mm-hmm. at all. Because you're not thinking, you have no brain function whatsoever. Just leave a little part that is able to receive CNN or something for your daily dose of, so to tell you what you should say in any given moment. That's all you need. Just replace it with some computer parts and a voice box that will make sounds for you. That is the lobotomy in a way. The little part that's reserved for CNN. Yeah. At all. Yeah. It's like a no-brainer. Of course it is, and, but you know that's what I don't understand. And I'm not, I'm not being unduly harsh on people here. It's so obvious, and I don't understand why people can't see it. It's, it's well, it's because they've been propagandized against. But really, and you know, the media t- talks BS. So apply it across the board to the media. Don't say that media talks BS, but this one doesn't. They all do. What's wrong with thinking for yourself? It's like the media is telling them two plus two equals five. Yeah. Fear. And they have fears a lot. They have full capacity to, to, to figure out for themselves that two plus two doesn't equal five, it actually equals four. They have a brain that can do that. But instead they defer to the media telling them an obvious lie. Mm-hmm. And then they repeat it. Why? Why would you do that? As a supposedly you know, sane, your, intelligent your, human being. Your salary might depend on that. I don't for most people it's not their salaries. It depends on it. Something else. Or for the people writing it for the people the listening others, to it for the and consumers, and, and for the producers, it. for their creative propagandas, hmm. the active activists. 
Well, there's another problem with this aspect of this is that, you know, we, we can't get, we shouldn't get too worked up about it because, you know, there's a, there's a fake, uh, there's a kind of, there's a, a, a kind of echo chamber or, or the appearance of uh, a consensus, like a fake consensus that is presented to people primarily by, well, it's by the media, by, by biased media, but also largely because of social media. You go on social media and you look at uh, the debates that are happening on social media and you think that everybody in social media, in the English-speaking world, let's say, so all, you know, three or four hundred million people or whatever in, in, in the Western world or five hundred million people who are on social media speaking English um, and even the ones that aren't speaking English, uh, that they're all divided down the middle, that they're all either anti-Trump or lefty or they're right-wingers or conservatives or whatever. And there was a study, interesting study, and I think this is close to the truth of the matter, it was an interesting study done recently. Um, it polled a bunch of people, blah, 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 whatever. I can't remember the details of it, but there's just, I just got this piece from it here where it says, according to the report, 25% of Americans are traditional or devoted conservatives, and their views are far outside of the, Mer the American mainstream. 8% of Americans are progressive activists, so like far lefties, and their views are even less typical. By contrast, two-thirds of Americans who don't belong to either extreme constitute the exhausted majority, and their members share a sense of fatigue with the polarized national conversation and a willingness to be flexible in their political viewpoints. And they also have a lack of voice in the national conversation. So those figures, whatever, but they're, they're probably close enough. You might reduce the 25% of Americans being devoted conservatives. But it's probably something like, you know, 10 or 15% on each side, and you've got 70% or 60 to 70% of the population, a, a decent majority, uh, who are not as kind of single-minded and... Um, and that's and interested in black and white thinking, as you see on from people on social media, who the ones who scream the most and shout the most mm. and get the most attention and appear in most people's Twitter feeds. Yeah, uh, I think something like there's only eight million or so, maybe more than that, Twitter users in the U.S., and mm. only a percentage of those are active. Mm -hmm. And Twitter, by the way, is propped up with Saudi money via MBS. <laughs> I mean, the very platforms we're using to express a horror. Mm -hmm. This, um, yeah, it's blood money. Just about most things are. Um, on that point, that that has both an uh, it's both a blessing and a curse that two thirds of people who are exhausted, um, or they're not, they're perfectly fine, they just don't care. Or, or yeah, it's a blessing because it's it's a healthy response from this pounding of propaganda. Mm -hmm. Uh, Patently false propaganda, black yeah, which, and white, oversimplified yeah, which is propaganda. Dark and a lot. I mean, when it's news, I mean, it's it's dark. I mean, uh, Saudis are dismembering people now. I mean, that's black. Obviously, wars constant. That's black as well. So you would just close off to protect yourself. It's healthy. It's a healthy response. But there's also the curse aspect of it, which is that people are fickle. Um, they may go with the flow. If there's a crisis in times of crisis, 9-11, of course, mm -hmm. Pearl Harbor, mm. rally the people, the fickleness will put them in in alignment temporarily with yeah, but they have whatever to be. the next dark turn is. Um, 
They have to be bludgeoned. It also means they can't be relied on. So no, you can't rely on them per, per, perpetually. But I think what you can, what you can rely on people down, uh, for, let's say, in this at this point in history, is that as these, if this is, I mean, it does seem to be a symptom of the of the political elite in the world and particularly in the West that they're more and more arrogant and more and more uh, flagrant and barefaced about their about their corruption. That as that continues, people you can probably rely on people eventually having enough of it, and not that necessarily be a good thing because they'll still be corralled into one direction or another. But I think people eventually will, uh, you know, in some way or other, you'll see a a reaction from the population to increasingly flagrant displays of corruption amongst. Uh, so so-called political elite who are meant to be much much better than that who are expected to be much much better than that by the people so the f- the more they move away from their the ex- the role that is expected of them the more likely you're going to get to a, a kind of breaking point where a certain section of the population will just have had enough and for the first time maybe in a long time people will be out in the streets and at the very least and motivated by just having had enough of this bullshit they you know they can all be united uh you know left and right blue and red whatever catholic protestant and the center as they say will all be united by simply being exhausted with bullshit in general and corruption in high places you can all agree that there's corruption in high places you know or a large percent of the population maybe that 66 percent or that that two-thirds uh, exhausted group of people are the ones who can uh, all agree, despite their differences, political, so-called political differences, they can all agree that the system is rotten. And and then we can rise up and have it. our glorious revolution. Probably not. You can, but you probably won't have a glorious revolution uh, because we know that revolutions don't go very well. And the, the, um, within the revolution, the scum rises to the top. Yeah. in revolutions, uh, so they go wrong as well. But that could be the next transition. Looking at it impartially, it would, you know, it's just a, it will be the next transition phase in, in, in human evolution, you know, or devolution. Um, whether or not, it probably won't be good, probably won't have a good outcome, but it'll be a change, let's say. There are a few, um, there are a few peripheral items connected with uh, this uh, murder of Khashoggi. Um, one of the guys who was identified by the Turks as being part of the 15-member team here, mm-hmm. sent in to, with a bone saw. <laughs> one, of the, one of them was a forensic specialist, and that was his job, apparently. That was, he, cuts, he cuts the body up. He's a, he was state, he's a Saudi state forensic uh, pathologist who whose expertise his his focus his autopsies was no mobile autopsies right i.e. autopsies out of the actual clinical lab so you know we can do it on the fly type thing like in an embassy in Turkey on an office table on an office table and dissection well one of the underlings a 31 year old lieutenant in the Saudi Air Force Al-Bastani um he died this week in a car accident mm. just a few days ago, actually. 
<laughs> he died in a, in, in a fist fight that went wrong. Yeah. Just like Kashagi. It was road rage. Kashagi, Kashagi, he just fell over. Well, they said the fist side. fight, and now they're saying he died in a chokehold. Yeah. It was an abduction result, gone wrong. As a result of the fist fight. Fell in a chokehold and then held him a bit too long. And, and his head fell off as a result of the chokehold. It was a very tight chokehold. How about this? And then for... they put him in an arm lock and then his arm fell off. And they got him, you know, they twisted his ankle. Oh, that fell off as it well. It keeps breaking. Uh, he was interviewed before he went to the Turkish embassy. I, I think it was on the day of, or close to it, by an Arab-Israeli journalist called Rula Jebriel. Uh, got published this week in Newsweek, parts of it anyway. When the interviewer suggested that the U.S. might change their approach to Saudi Arabia at some point, Khashoggi agreed, albeit said that there's always a but. And this is a quote from him. I'm sure the Americans are not going to apply pressure on Mohammed bin Salman unless a true crisis happens in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> That's like freaky given what happened to him a few days later. Um there's another, I mean, there's another thing that gets lost in the news, but 10 years ago it would have been a scandal, but now it's like, eh, who cares? Um, somebody, I think a whistleblower for a private army outfit, US-based, a mercenary fighting with them at some point, revealed that his employer, I forget the name, has been running operations in Yemen in recent years, targeting rebel slash local politicians. They're a hit team, executive mm -hmm. assassination team going around. And there's also a video that comes with it, maybe courtesy of this whistleblower. Uh, it's on SOT. Um, I don't know where, I can't remember where we got it from. Um, a video showing one of the operations. It's drone footage surveying the operation in progress where it's a convoy that comes up to this guy's house, a local leader in some small city in Yemen. I think they failed the assassination because he wasn't in his house. Anyway, they get out of that convoy. They're all armed to the teeth, and you see them go up and plant a bomb at his house. And then a second one for good measure. They drive off, it blows up. And that got reported at the time as an al-Qaeda suicide bombing mm. in Yemen. And you just, we just got a window right there to suicide bombing in the Middle East. Yeah, it's carried out by death squads. Yeah, paid, we, paid well, in this case, but formally on behalf of the UAE, but it's basically a proxy American outfit. Go back to 2005 and uh, two members of the British SAS driving around Basra in Iraq at the height of the Iraq invasion, driving around in a car, two members, two white, fine British boys dressed in Arab garb, driving a car full of with explosives in the trunk and weapons who get arrested by the Iraqi police mm. and put in Basra prison. And then a British Abrams or British tank comes along and knocks down the wall of the tank and takes them, takes them out. Of the police station, yeah. Yeah, and takes them away. These are two guys, members of the British SAS, who were dressed like Arabs with a car bomb driving, I think at the time, driving towards a marketplace. Hmm. There's an Al-Qaeda uh, bombing in the making.
Anyway, so that's what's that? That's like thir five, 13 years old. So, yeah. This is, uh, I don't know. It's hard to bring people along, I suppose. I don't know how, to what extent people have been brought along and the kind of stuff we've been looking at, but we've looked at it over and over again for, yeah, 15 years now. Mm, there's just no doubt, pretty much, about many of the things that we say uh, have been proven time and time again. Uh, that our view of the nature, uh, the, the nature of this world, or the way that this world works, and the way that pol politicians in Western countries work, uh, and the way that you know, funding death squads, basically state terrorism as opposed to terrorism by some some, some armed groups, that that is the reality. It's state terrorism uh, much more than anything else. Um, but yeah, but I understand people don't really like to live in a world where that's the reality. They don't like to believe that they live in a world where that's the reality, and then you get into a problem where they start believing other things. And it's all based in belief. And then how are you meant to have a discussion with someone when it's not about what's actually happening, but it's about what they want to believe. Mm -hmm. You don't have a discussion anymore at all. You just it, stop having discussions. It seems to be important, though, that this mode of being, this, these behaviors remain secret, yeah. or at least plausibly covered over with a cover story. Mm -hmm. And the less and less they are, I'm not suggesting that means that they can't do it anymore. We're seeing the opposite. They become more brazen than just going ahead and doing it. Mm -hmm. um, it but it comes back to what I was thinking about earlier. Like, I think they maybe forgot or don't care anymore about the original reasons for keeping quiet. Originally, you would do these things on the QT because of some kind of a recognition on their behalf that those moral issues those other people have, like most normal people, are an impediment, so how we have to work around them. Yeah. We can't confront them direct on, or they might rise up and overthrow us. Mm -hmm. um, but they've, they've been doing it for so long, and it's become such a part of the fabric of the way that they do things and of the way the world works that they've become used to them. And they maybe, yeah, they've forgotten about the fact that you haven't actually been telling the people about this. You've been actually covering it up all these years for you and your little circles. You know that that's, yeah, well, that's, that's what we do. Just, just Let's just plant a bomb there, you know, and blame it on whoever. It's just normal. And it's an echo chamber and they forget that actually the people still think that this is, that you're the the paragons of virtue and uh, that you're fighting a war against terrorism, you know. And, you know I know you, the politicians, have come around and to, to, believe, to understand and to accept clearly that actually you're the ones who are carrying out the terror attacks for the most part. But you need to remember, people don't think that. So don't get too complacent, you know? <laughs> don't get too, too familiar with your terroristic ta tactics and think it's the norm and think that everybody accepts it now, you know? Mm -hmm. Or think that you have, you know, uh, conditioned the people to such an extent that you can do whatever you want and that there's no line that you could cross that they would ever push back against or, or rebel against, you know? You're playing a dangerous game, but, you know, the people living in a, in a world of, of make-believe where they are the reality creators, you know? There's no talking to them either, you know? They're going to do what they do. And it's all going to come out in the wash, I suppose. And it'll probably be a, a, big, a big mess of laundry. <laughs> a, big, a big mess of, un, of dirty laundry. And nobody's going to like it. So, yeah. Um, uh, and, and another news that was uh, just to underline the kind of craziness um, after the Judge Kavanaugh approval, the approval of Brett Kavanaugh as the Supreme Court judge, uh, a bunch of witches in America 
um, of which there are, are quite a few apparently, uh, and they're serious people. Uh, I cast a spell. We're, we're getting together, I think, today or yesterday to cast a spell on Judge Kavanaugh to, I don't know, make him grow warts or something. I don't know what they're... What they're make him vote the right way? I don't Yeah, <laughs> who knows? We'll probably turn him into a frog or something. I don't know. Something like that. Uh, but they were casting spells on him. But when a Catholic priest somewhere got wind of that and he likes Kavanaugh, so he set himself up to... Uh, and got... He's actually an exorcist. So he got... He set himself up in opposition. So there's... If you notice, if you're in the U.S., you know, I don't know where these two groups of people are, but if you're in the U.S. and you see something, you know, kind of strange lights flying across the sky or you hear loud clashes or booms, like some kind of major kind of um, battle going on in the heavens, it's probably what it is. It's the witches versus the priest in America doing battle over, basically over Trump. So that's that's where we're, that's one little, uh, you know, insight into where, so it's partly where we're at it's gone right from now. Conventional war to nuclear war to, to proxy war to hybrid war to information war. Now we're in spirit wars. Spirit wars, yeah. Okay. Uh, ma- magical workings. You know, Catholic magical workings versus witchy magical workings. Black magic being tossed across at each other. I mean, who knows? Maybe, you know. It might work. It, it might work. It might have more. It, yeah, it might actually have more, more reality to it than any of the bullshit. That you see... Uh, Wishful thinking of politicians. Well, certainly it has more reality to it than the bullshit that, that defines the propaganda war. You know? I would, I would put more faith in, in, in the substance of witches versus priests and their magical workings than the... Than the CIA and the MI6. Or, or the magical workings that you get out of, out of CNN and, and, and different news yeah, outlets, yeah. you know? Uh, there's more truth to it. There's more substance to the witches and the priests than there is to CNN, basically. Um, for the most part, especially when they're talking about particular things, you know, obviously CNN reports on normal things that are actually true and stuff. But when they, and by CNN I mean all of the media in the US, they, uh, when they get into, you know, opinion pieces, it's an interesting, actually, an interesting point about opinion pieces because we uh, there's a news, a new uh, internet police called um, NewsGuard. Dot com, and it's it's the it's fairly high level. It's media moguls, former bigwig news media execs and stuff who have set it up, and it's basically a website where you can go and you can download an app or not an app, but a a plugin for your browser for any browser you use. And it this organization have have been going around vetting, asking questions of news websites to determine whether or not they're truthy enough, well, to determine, determine their level of truthiness. And and then they give them a rating, and then they give them a badge. So when you go, if you download this uh, add-on for your browser, when you go to any website or you look at any, see any news on Facebook or on Twitter or whatever, it'll have a badge on it. If they've, if they've, if they've analyzed that website, it'll have a badge, a green badge or a red badge. A green badge means it's, it's truthy, its truthiness is high enough. On if it's got a red badge, it's 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 not very tr- uh, trustworthy. Um, but one of the criteria they use to determine um, whether or not a website, a news website, is valid and gets a green badge is whether or not 
they separate news from opinion or fact from opinion. Um, and obviously they're clueless uh, in, in this respect in, in, in asking that question because there's so much inherent bias in the media uh, and in, in individuals and human beings. There's inherent unconscious bias that everything is biased unless it's a story about a cat stuck up a tree or some objective fact that happened. Um, anything that is related to politics CNN or the Washington Post, the Washington Times, whatever, will put put this forward, put something forward as 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 a, as like just an, a, not an opinion piece. They'll you know they call opinion piece opinion, but when they talk about something, they report on some fact that happened, Judge Kavanaugh, whatever. There's they don't even know that there's ways that they slant their the so-called yeah. objective news that means that their bias is already input into it. You know, little comment, the way they phrase the. The way they where they um, bring the headline or what, the way they define the headline, you know, and but that that'll be their factual news, you know, um, and they're just so clueless about human nature and human psychology that they have no idea that there's bias in almost abs- in absolutely everything, even in the story about a cat up a tree type thing. If mm-hmm. they can spin something into it, where you know, where where, where it relates in somehow to Trump, you know, the cat up a tree is, you know, this has been related by some experts have related this to. Uh, a lack of funding for, you know, cats or something by the Trump administration or something like that. You know, and they'll cite experts or whatever. There's all different ways that they can bring in supposedly objective data that isn't objective at all to support their bias that they're putting into a non-opinion story. Right. So um, it's pretty sad. That's that's why it's... Um, I'm on the website now. It's it's the it's actually NewsGuard Tech, yeah. one word, dot com. If you look up NewsGuard, yeah. Uh, so they have. They obviously go to our advisory board. Yeah. <laughs> Scotty, can you go to that? Our our advisory board uh, under about why trust us. You want to trust these people because Tom Ridge, first secretary of Homeland Security under George W. Bush, <laughs> and Richard Stengel, former editor of Time Magazine and under secretary of state for public diplomacy in the Obama administration, retired General Michael Hayden, former director of the CIA, former director of national security. Agency, former principal, deputy director of national intelligence under George W. Bush. And Don Baer, chairman of Burson, Corn and Wolf, and former White House communications director for the Clinton administration. So they've got pretty much everybody on there, you know. A few other people down and the bottom. This Speech is, writer for Condoleezza Rice is on their advisory board. And these people are... are all American, right? high-level... And this is to be a global... Yeah, the, yeah 4,000 websites. Watch guard. 4,000 website, 4, news websites that they're going to decide... Uh, get the red well, or the well, green light. But they're going to pass judgment on. This is good for you. This is not good for you. Of course, people have to opt in in the sense of um, yeah. downloading the, the 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 add-on for their for their browser. But one of the ways, one of the more pernicious ways that their that their their plan is. I mean, of course, they set it up as as this uh, as a way to avoid Facebook or Twitter or social media platforms having to outright ban people. And remove the content, like fully censor them. And they say this way, Which they're readers, doing anyway. reader, well, um, yeah, well, they're doing that anyway. But they're saying that they won't have to do this anymore, and they're getting money from Facebook and Twitter to fund this project and pay people to do it, so that uh, these badges will appear on social media. It appears on if you have if they have the plugin, it appears on Facebook or on Twitter, or whatever. Anytime there's a news story, that badge is there, and you can click on it. You can see whether or not it's 
good or bad and then you can go to the longer list of reasons why it's good or bad um but so they say it's to avoid having to ban them outright and people can just get an idea of yeah i shouldn't trust this website because it's got a red badge um but they also say on their main page on, on newsguardtech.com that this will also allow advertisers to choose mm. who they want to advertise with i.e they won't advertise with the people that we put a red badge on that we say that are untrustworthy which means that those websites probably a lot of them will go will disappear so it is fully censoring and banning them just by by, by different means i.e by depriving them of funding right by shaming them effectively or, or rather defaming them defaming websites based on the the subjective criteria or opinions of people like the former director of the CIA who has no bias whatsoever obviously no um his opinion will decide whether or not any news website is good or bad and then advertisers will not fund or not advertise on the bad ones that the former CIA director said was bad and therefore if their funding dries up then they go away they disappear basically so they have a list of 4000 websites that they're, it's going, smart. they're going through it's smart cuz i was thinking you know that's that's not going to fly with people because when they see a red sticker next to the site they're visiting, that'll be actually a, a cue to them to reverse use reverse psychology and go, I should check this one out. But advertisers are more likely to think of their bottom line. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't look good for me with my investors, my partners, yada, yada. I better toe the line here. And you slowly, through economic means, strangle and reach the target you would otherwise have done by simply banning outright. Yeah. It's it's great. It's a typically Western way of getting around the it's, core problem of trying to do what they're doing without coming across as total hypocrites when right. it comes to democracy, freedom <clears throat> of speech, yada, 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 yeah. and freedom of the press. It obviously assumes, it's these people assuming that, and these, these the, the actual people directly involved in that list of people we read out are advisors. Uh, I don't know what much input they have, but the people who are directly involved in it they have been in the news industry and they're all lefty news industry. So they're all very much anti-Trump. It's basically an anti-Trump, anti-conservative, anti-right-wing, anti-Russia propaganda, the standard American exceptionalist establishment opinion. And they obviously, they've all decided that their opinion is the only right one. And But ostensibly they're saying that people, ordinary people consuming the news cannot make up their own minds about what's true or what's not, and need to be told by authorities. Mm-hmm. This is bad, this is good. Only read this, don't read that. Um, so that's an insight into the to the perspective of these kinds of people. And it's not just the elite, it's spread obviously down to the ordinary person who, you know, the, the hangers on, the people who jump on the bandwagon. They also think that they are, they have the only right opinion. You know, the activists and the left-wing anti-Trump activists and stuff. They have the only right opinion on everything that doesn't that they don't agree with or p- people that don't agree with them are simply wrong and need to shut up. Uh, so it's, I mean, of course, that's not true in any universe that one person can have the only right view of reality, but that's what these people have decided and decided that they are going to decide for the people what they should and shouldn't see because they, they, they don't want anything to appear on the internet. They don't want people of the world effectively to be able to um, to digest or to receive information that these people don't want them to receive, that these people don't like. So it's it's like me saying, I have a view of the world and I don't want anybody else 
I don't want any conflicting information or information that I don't like or don't agree with or conflicts with my view. I don't want anybody else in the world to see that information. I want that information extinguished. And I only want my view of how the world works and how life should work and how pe- what, 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 what way people should think. I only want that to, to exist effectively. I want to extinguish, erase all the rest of it. And that's what they're doing. That's 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 these people at News Tech, uh, our news, news guard, news guard Tech's uh, perspective, and they are absolutely convinced that they are doing the morally right thing as well. Of course, they pull in a moral justification for it to make themselves feel better, because they don't want to think that they're being totalitarian or fascist. Right. So they see themselves as actually being. This is about liberty and freedom. So all of the terms are reversed. So people are acting in overtly totalitarian, clearly overtly, dec- like dictionary definition totalitarian and fascist ways, these people actually very quickly find a way to turn that around and say that they're acting in exactly the opposite way. It's completely insidious. And you know, in other times, in other situations, in other contexts, a paternalistic worldview isn't always a bad thing in the sense that people can be childlike about how things actually are and so on, um, about the degree of responsibility they're willing to take in terms of organizing, whether it's everything from the local community out to county, state, and the right. nation, um, some people want but, all, all the inf- all, all the big decisions taken for them. Yeah, and they're they're called authoritarian followers. So they they need an authority to to make those big decisions for them, right down to the point of deciding what's true and what's false, and tell them what's true and what's false. The problem is that not everybody is like that. There are a lot of people who can who feel and can make up their own make up their own minds about things, and decide how they're going to act in the world and, yeah. and, and live their lives by their own set of values, their own, you know, that they've adopted themselves and they don't want anybody else to tell them. And that's where the clash is going to come. That's where if you try yeah. and pull, if you get, try to treat everybody like an ignorant child who doesn't know anything and, uh, and, and, and force that on everybody, well, then the ones who aren't children are going to say, you know, F you. I can see take, that you're take, you're take, you're, a, you're a tyrannical parent. Take your you're dysfunctional. Yeah, let's take it up here. Yeah, uh, and that's the response, and that's what uh, that's well, that's a a good you know it's a, a re- the reason why you're seeing a lot of the conflict uh, this you know the, the, the discord in in Western society today because of that division because there are some people who want to be told and it's not just that these people are innocent and they just want to be told everything they become activists as well they become ideologically identified with the authoritarian message that they have that they need and they want and then they become actively engaged in pushing that on other people kind of uniformitarianism basically we're all the same we have to all be the same we all have to see uh, things the same way and unfortunately the people who always who, who tend to uh, push that on other people are the ones who want an authority to define what's true and what's false what's real and, and to order society along strict lines um that the ones who, who who can't do it for themselves want to push that on everyone else, you know. Yeah. Um, and given the the variety of peoples and their needs, authoritarian followers versus independent people, um, the history of government is the history of striking a balance, hmm. and periodically it's, things just go way too far over this way. Of course, in twentieth century, that was. Um, most clearly seen with communism slash socialist places like China, USSR, 
where it went in its extreme and it's had to yeah like Putin said in his analogy I like that one where if you pull the elastic too tight it's going to snap back right? right the United States is going the same way of course it's not couched in the same terms mm. but it's doing the same thing the total overreach of government of authority into what you can read say you say the wrong thing you're off Twitter or, or worse you lose your job um, mm -hmm. what you think yeah. everything is it's, 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 it's an elastic, and right now it's pulled, well, I imagine it's pulled at its maximum. Maybe there's a little bit more to go, but it's getting close, and the the rebound when that thing lets go is going to be like... Yeah, there's, there's two kind of, there can end up being two forms of oppression. You know, you have people, in, in, the, in the times when the independent people rule type thing, let's say by independent, I suppose I'm saying more able, able because it is a value, it is a value judgment on people who are more able to decide for themselves. They rule with a lighter touch. Well, not necessarily. They become they can become oppressive, and they they can they can oppress other people who are the more authoritarian follow ones, the, one, the ones who are more childlike and more malleable and influenceable. They can become oppressed by the more able people in society. You know, the people higher up, the dominance hierarchy. Let's say, uh, and then. But now we're, you know, and you, and you had that in, in times gone by, but now we're swinging back towards the other direction where it's the, 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 uh, the rise of the, <laughs> the rise of the weaklings, basically, the, the rise of the least uh, able in society. And unfortunately, they're being, at the same time, there's a coterie in, in, in the elite, in the political elite, in the governing elite, who have decided that we're going to, that they'll take their side, you know, and promote, obviously, all this kind of, uh, Oppression Olympics and uh, mm -hmm. kind of coddling of 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 people in society, coddling them, wrapping them in in, uh, uh, in cotton wool, and uh, not allowing any oppression, and 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 basically going to the lowest common denominator and deciding what's the. We'll start from the person who's the most sensitive, and what offends them, and we'll start legislating there and move up, you know. Mm -hmm. So we'll get it all catch all basically like the you know the BBC talking about you know forcing their employees recently to to be more kind of inclusive and, and to use I think use gender pronouns and stuff forcing BBC employees to use gender chosen gender pronouns and to be more inclusive in their speech and all that kind of stuff you know making it uh, like workplace policy like uh, your job at stake if you don't do this you know so that you do not offend anybody anybody who could be in any way construed as being offended by anything we have to, the government wants, a lot of, big part of the government wants to legislate for that and then it's, it obviously has creep, crept into business practices in many businesses where, you know, that's the law of the, of the business world as well. It's uh, a standard to, practice now in the United States when yeah. you get a job interview and people are being asked <clears throat> to hand over their Facebook and social media logins mm -hmm. so that they can be checked. Mm -hmm. Like, or to at least give up their identity so that can be read or something like that. Um but even even more, it's it's something else. There's a deliberate. I got a taste of this when I was um, working in the corporate world, and I wonder how ubiquitous it is now. Where it was expected, it was never in the contract. It was never explicitly stated, but it was expected of you to turn up for social events in the evenings and then on the weekends. That's super benign, though. You think so? Compared to today? Yeah. yeah. And compared to what yeah. we're talking about, like, yeah. I mean, that was all team building stuff and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It was, I mean, you could you could see that as just like a the, the corporate heads trying to get people all to feel 
identified with their with their corporation like one big family you know to start seeing each other as family members that's just trying to leverage people so they'll, they'll they'll invest more of their time and their energy and their focus into the company for for increasing profits and stuff like that you know that's been around for a long time but you know i think the difference between the two is it's, it's basically two sides of a coin one is the obvious the one that's known throughout history is the tyranny of the oppressor but today what we're seeing is the tyranny of the oppressed which sounds like an oxymoron but that's what's happening it's the oppressed people who are taking the position of the of the of the oppressor but there are still tyrants honest to god of course, oppressive yeah. tyrants there are yeah behind yeah. them oh well, yeah absolutely well those yeah. people well it Either side of the coin is good for them, right? Yeah. Because ultimately they get to to control as many people Both as possible, sides. you know. Um, but they they always leverage the population to to they, they you know they use the juice of emotional juice of the population where they can to 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 just to secure their positions as uh, at the top of the heap, you know. They can control as many people as possible because that's how they get their kicks out of controlling people as much as possible. It's 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 just kind of like an addiction, you know, where they just want more and more and more control. And that's uh, behind the whole total information awareness. If you want to control large numbers of people, you have to know as much as possible about everybody. Tom Ridge's project. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's a pretty pretty messed up situation we're in, you know. Um, but that's we have to deal with it the best way we can. Before, is, before we go, one other small news item from last week, just you know, minor detail. Don't worry too much about it. Um, John Bolton suggested. The U.S. withdraw from a nuclear arms treaty with Russia, the INF, mm -hmm. intermediate something to do with. Uh, there had been an AB, uh, uh, anti-ballistic missile treaty for long range, mm. that was torn up by George Bush Jr. Mm. in 2002, and this is like the other key plank in the strategic piece, I suppose, since the end of the Cold War. Uh, John Bolton says, jump. Trump apparently just today or yesterday evening announces the U.S. is withdrawing from this other treaty. This treaty. So that tears up a deal going back to 1988, which basically ended the Cold War um, and gave rise to 22 some years of Russia saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, whatever you want, sir, to exactly everything the U.S. wanted. So that that is over. So um, well, well, Trump's saying that uh, Trump has, has accused Russia of not adhering to it. I mean, it's a it's a treaty that that banned the the deployment of uh, ballistic missiles and cruise missiles on land uh, between five that could you know, that were you know had a had a reach of between five hundred and five thousand kilometers. Uh, obviously, that's that that'll be a kind of big thing because ballistic and cruise missiles that have that kind of reach on land are a threat to global security because you can put them wherever you want. But, um, but of course, America has got around that a lot by installing, you know, different kind of missile systems on land around Russia's borders, all that kind of stuff. On ships. Uh, well, you're allowed to do it in ships. That 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 was never part of it, um, because you know you're meant because you know on ships you need to be able to protect, you know your your oceans or whatever are off offshore type of things but onshore it was was a problem you know because it would obviously any country then could all point missiles at each other on each other's borders you know short range ballistic and cruise missiles you know but there i think the real reason trump um, doesn't like that anymore is because he wants to be able to deploy those against china china's not wasn't a treaty that was just between the u.s and that treaty was between the u.s and 
uh, or Soviet Union mm -hmm. and now Russia and uh, and the US. But China was never a part of it, and I think they want to they want the scope to be able to deploy those kind of missiles in the, in Asia, the Pacific region, against China to try and threaten China. Um, he said he's open to renegotiating it, whatever. But uh, but he wants to renegotiate. He wants to he wants to renegotiate that and include China in it as well. You know, right. because China is obviously arm, arming itself up as well to protect its interests in in the region. There's two other stories um, as well. Uh, well, one that's just just a kind of throwaway one. The U.S. I think it was the Pentagon accused uh, Russia of trying to steal Syria's oil. That that's why it's in Syria. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't think much has to be said about that. But that's America, the Pentagon with its troops at Syrian oil fields. Well, America ever accusing <laughs> anyone of stealing oil is just like the biggest joke, and it, it's you know it's a good down in history. It should be written in the annals of of history as one of the biggest jokes. Uh, the massive pot on the tombstone. Yeah, the massive pot calling the kettle black. You know, um, and the other one was that uh, just a story about Siemens had uh, a German company, big multinational company. Siemens had has been spent a lot of time and uh, and money, uh, according to the Iraqi government over recent years, to for a fifteen billion contract, a contract worth fifteen billion for building power infrastructure in in Iraq. And it had it was odds on favor to win the to win the contract. Siemens, Siemens was, except uh, Washington intervened recently and forced Baghdad to choose U.S. based General Electric instead. Hmm. That's Trump's uh, art of the deal going on there somehow or other. Um, Shades of Berlin Baghdad Railway. Yeah, Europe. Yeah, get out. It's ours. Right. Nothing changes. You know, really, nothing really changes, and you just have to, you know, see through the, the freedom and democracy modern society, modern world gloss and, and see that, you know, nothing changes. Go back a hundred years, two hundred years, yeah, they keep, thousand years, you can go back three thousand years. They keep nothing sl changes. slagging Russia for being In so nineteenth century gunboat diplomacy. You know, we're we're way beyond that now and that's exactly what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, so there's not much else going on. There's just a load of draws, uh obviously that is inconsequential, really. I mean, obviously, you don't look to have Facebook or or Twitter to find what's find what's important in the news these days, you know. But I think we try to just sum up the kind of major major events for people that so that they're informed uh, on the major things. That if you feel like thinking about it or or knowing about it, these are the things you should just you know maybe log, log somewhere, store away somewhere, and uh, but everything else comes across your feed. You can just uh, you know cast a cynical eye on it and go, yeah, anyway, moving on, because uh, there's, there's a lot of crap out there, a lot of noise and very little signal or substance. So, I think we'll leave it there for this week, folks. We hope yeah. you enjoyed the show. If you liked the video, um, if you like our channel, like, subscribe, etc. Um, we'll be back next week with another one. So until then, have a good evening. See you next week. Bye, everyone.